in a deep and mystical land known as Schomburg, a bunch of sweaty, plastic-loving nerds got together to celebrate the first inaugural episode of a podcast known as... Why, baby? Woo! All right, John. Oh, are man. You, are so you freaking no. out? I'm freaking out. No, I'm I'm pumped, and you are freaking the fuck out right now. <laughs> I am, bro. You, okay. You were looking at me earlier, and your eyes were twitching all okay. over the place. John, John, you have some explaining to do, okay? Why do you I've have? had at least two people come up to me saying that you look like something is wrong. You need to explain to everyone who Con John is right now yeah, yeah. and why you are uh, looking the way you're looking. Yeah, so this is Con John. If you ever see me out there at Adepticon and wearing sunglasses, that's official Con John. Typical, yeah. he, he comes out after dark. <laughs> if you ever see Con John during the day, that means Con John the night before had a rough night. <laughs> so if you see me during the day and you're like, John, you look like a zombie, and you're like, well, Con John had a good night last night. It's, it's like a, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. Oh, is that wrong? Is it Dr. Hyde? No. Okay. See, this is classic. I bring up shit that I don't know, and then I ask him, and he doesn't know either. And then everyone's like, God damn it, get it right. <laughs> That's how it works. Okay, John, what's your favorite piece in the Golden Demon case? My favorite piece in the Golden Demon case. First of all, top live attendees, I need a little a hell yeah if you went up and looked at the Golden Demon pieces. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Okay. Anybody we get you to say anything, dude? I know. All right. Anybody in the audience, uh, raise of hands. Does anybody here enter a piece in Golden Demon? Oh, okay. shit. We got some demons hey, in here. Vincey V, dude. Oh, no. Hey. Vincey V in the house. Check out that guy. All right. We got like what? Like seven or eight? I know. That was that was way more. Okay. Okay. My, I think my favorite piece is, is the Iron Warrior miniature in single figure. It's NMM, but it's not Dunny or typical shiny NMM. It's in a dark NMM, which to mm. me is like impossible to do. It has beautiful sand reflections on those lower coils. Everything is super crispy. So not only is it a GW like style model, like it's painted super clean, but also it has understanding of light. Uh, yeah, me and Vince are talking about that, and it's amazing. It's an amazing model. All right, not now, John. Jesus Christ. Are you still talking? Yeah. <laughs> Diet Dew, the official sponsor of Tup, right here. That's right. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Okay, okay. Shh, shh. One of my Dude, we're getting chairs right Wait. now. Hey, Chairs or Us is here. Everyone give a hell yeah for Chairs or Us. Hell yeah. All right. Uh-oh, <laughs> no, he's wait, leaving. Wait, are you going away, Chairs or Us? All right, cool, cool. <laughs> Close that door, dude. That poor. Mm -hmm. like All right. Oh, no. Uh, Come on in. This oh, is this. scuffed. Yeah. What is this happening? This guy brought a beer. All <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. All right. John That's is making a mixed drink live right now. <laughs> this is water. All right. <laughs> okay. So, All right, so if you're listening yeah. at home, yeah. um, there was a chair guy that came in. And then we scared him and he left. <laughs> and then like five goody peepees followed him. So just this is a mental picture. So so all of you in, in attendance know what it's like to be at home which was watching or listening. What did yeah. I just put all those words together? I don't know, dude. Um Con John's having a hard night. Yeah. Okay. My favorite got piece? What? Yeah. I mean you're not saying it, so I was gonna move on, but if you're gonna answer my question from ten minutes ago, I would love that. Okay, let's do that. Okay. All right. My favorite piece is mine. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Also, I like there's a skink. There's a one little skink dude up there. It's just one little skinky man. It's just painted absolutely beautifully. He's got a little sword, mm -hmm. and there's like a like a crisscross glint of light. A little that, comic book glint. It's beautiful. And, and there's like I I asked the found the guy that painted that. Yeah, his name's right? Gavin. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you're like. How did you do that? Because I'm like, how do you paint a line that small? Do you have like a 10-0 brush that's like two bristles? Mm. And he's like, no. I'm like, okay, now tell me how to paint that. And he said, what you do is you take a small brush and you make like the star shape. Yeah. And then you cut away the white with the blue or whatever color the metal is around it. And I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. It sounds tricky though, because there's like a blend under that thing. So yeah, how do you know. like? How do you tackle that? I don't know. Okay, I didn't ask him that. Okay, okay, okay. So that one's my favorite is the skink. All right, I want to tell you guys a story from the first day of the uh, of the con. So we got here on Wednesday, and we kind of hung out in the day, but at nighttime we caught up with Vince, we caught up with Goobertown Hobbies, Eric, all kinds of people, and we had a little, you know, got a little saucy. Uh, mm -hmm. Upstairs in our hotel room, and then like, at, th at 3 a.m., we uh, we came down into the hall, and there was no one here, but there was one person here, and he was a giant blue space marine. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Have you guys harassed this space marine yet? Because yeah. <laughs> I have too. <laughs> I got up on that thing, mounted its leg, gave it a couple humps, got off. <laughs> it was sick. I filmed Literally. it. It was great. <laughs> That poor space marine. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I know. <laughs> We've been all over that guy. <laughs> so so there's a guy by the name of Andy here. Andy Talbot is his name. He works for Games Workshop. <laughs> yeah. He's their new community manager. Hold Very on, can, can you pause for a second? When he's when he said there's a guy here known as Andy, were you guys thinking of a specific person? You wanna shout out his name? Okay, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is your doing, dude. No, no I didn't start this. <laughs> yes, you did. Wow. Dude, okay. This is a total John thing to just like make up a name and then walk away from it. Like just mic drop. It's like, no, I didn't do that. Just like starts chaos. All right. Well, okay, well, what's your story about not Andy Wardle? Okay, so Andy Talbot is a, is a beautifully wonderful British man. Yeah. Um, and so he's a new employee at Games Workshop, and we've got to know him a little bit, and he was here, and we spent some time with him. Mm. And so today we took the, the picture that you might see in the Facebook group of the announcement of tonight's episode where Scott is looking like a blushing bride next to the space marine, and I'm crawling up so out handsome. of his crotch. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the baby, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and right, right as we're about to pose for that shot, I pick my head up, up up from under this crotch and like a team of Warhammer dudes from Games Workshop walk by, including Andy, who had a nice conversation with us just yesterday about how we can work together and we can make great Warhammer stuff. <laughs> okay, and his face was like... <laughs> also, also, you pulled a knife on him like two days ago? I did pull the knife on him, yes. <laughs> yeah, you, want, you want to tell that story? Okay, so. <laughs> okay, let me set this up. Okay, so if this was the first night that we got here in the evening up at the Golden Demon Cases, and it was maybe 1 a.m., I don't know. Con John was out, I don't remember. Yeah. And uh, he told me that he was, there was a guy the other, the other night that was there that was really, really drunk, and he was talking to him, and he was very emphatic about Warhammer. Mm. And then eventually the guy wanted to fight him. Yeah. Andy Talbot, the GW community manager. Yeah, some guy wanted to fight him. Yeah. So I, so I was like, wow, Andy, your con is off to an excellent start. Uh, I don't know how I can top that. 
And then I turned to him and I pulled my knife out of my pocket and I said, okay. <laughs> Let me show you. And apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, you can't just do that in England. Yeah. <laughs> For all the audio listeners, John just pulled out his blade and just gave it a little flick. And so I, I guess the switchblades are illegal. Yeah. And I said, this is America. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. And he's like, what's going to happen next? I'm like, someone's going to pull a gun on you tomorrow, Andy. <laughs> All right. So if you see him. <laughs> yeah, do not do that. <laughs> awesome. All right. So for the, for the main portion of this episode, because we don't prep for anything, we we're hoping you guys would carry us. Uh, so we want to answer your questions, if you have any. If you don't, this is going to be really short and awkward. Can I, uh, can I, can I tell the Dairy Island story first? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so I'll set it up. We went, to this, so- we went to this restaurant on the way here called Dairy Island. Um, and I think John picked it because yes. he searched in Google Maps, like, tendies yes. uh, or something. Okay? Yes. And so we find this place called Dairy Island. It seems pretty... Whatever, it seems and fine. 4.2 stars. 4.2 stars. Google reviews mean nothing, but that's okay. The um, first review on the Google reviews was, word for word, 10 out of 10, great chicken tenders. I'm like, yeah. we fucking got it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we found the gym in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Yes. Yes. So we pull up, you know, we go inside, but the story isn't about the restaurant, really, or the food. What is it about, John? Okay, so... I think maybe we have some some pictures of this that we can post right now. Amber can post for those watching on YouTube of the inside of Dairy Island. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and if you know anything about Wisconsin, it's great for a lot of things: cheese curds, the Green Bay Packers, and serial killers. Yeah. Now, <laughs> one of those things would fit right in at Dairy Island. <laughs> I'll let you decide which. Cheese curds, dude, obviously. Oh, yeah. We ordered the cheese curds, too, obviously. <laughs> yeah. That was two out of ten. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> so, okay. So we go in there. It's a tiny hole-in-the-wall dive, like, a, like an old root beer stand from, like, the 60s. So it's barely a shack that keeps out the elements. And the entire floor-to-ceiling, every wall, was handwritten different items that are on their menu. Like, they just... Pilled out a piece of notebook paper and said, I think we need euros now. And they wrote it down. Yeah. 775, threw it on the wall. And every decade when the euro price changed, instead of just replacing like the euro thing on the menu, they just make a new sign somewhere else in the restaurant. So yeah. it's like the price changed, like, you know, over the last 30 years of this restaurant's existence. So we order our food, and while we're waiting, I'm like, I gotta pee. And I look around and the place is roughly like the size of a small shed mm. on the inside. I'm like, there's no bathroom here. Nope. I'm like, maybe there's a bathroom on the outside of the building. Mm. So I go outside. There is no bathroom. Yeah. So I did what I needed to do. Yeah. And I saw just behind the Dairy Island, there's a bright blue shed. Yeah. So I walked behind the shed and I relieved myself. <laughs> Halfway through. Fucking no one laughs. <laughs> Halfway through, I look up, which I should have done before I unzip my pants. No, yeah, normally you scan first, yeah? I did not scan. Right behind the shed is an entire trailer court. And there's a lady standing in her yard, holding a baby, wearing only a diaper, staring at me. While I'm peeing. Yeah. Game over, man. So I did what you do in these situations. Huh? 
and you pretend you're not peeing, and mm. you're checking the structural integrity yeah. of the shed. Yeah. You look up, you kind of knock on it a little yeah. bit, <laughs> you quick zip, and you scurry back into yeah. Dairy Island. Like, like you were doing nothing. Yeah. Nothing. None the wiser. So if you're on your way home and you go through Wa- Mauston, Wisconsin. Mauston, Wisconsin. Go to Dairy Island. Yeah. It will not be a place you visit a second Tell time. Tell them John's at you. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, like I was saying, you guys need to carry us, okay? So have great questions. No bullshit, okay? I don't want any joke questions about the name Tickler out of any of you. Okay. But yeah, so the way it'll work, you just raise your hand, I'll pick you, and then you'll ask the question, I'll repeat it here. Very low tech, all right? Okay, that dude. Uh, were the tendies any good at Dairy Island? Any good at Dairy Island? Uh, out of three tendies, I would give these tendies... One tendy. Yeah. Yeah. They were, everything that we ordered there was obviously frozen. Yeah. And then just all dumped into the same fry basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And down it went. And it all kind of tasted like the fish fry from the Friday before. Yeah. 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 And he didn't even offer any sauces. Okay. (laughs) The greatest defense. Right. (laughs) This matters. (laughs) But if you glance back into the kitchen slightly... I realized I'm not going to ask for any sauces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other questions? This guy right here. What's your favorite dipping sauce for tendies? Okay. Oh, that's favorite, a favorite dipping sauce for tendies. Okay. I don't know if you guys experienced this, but growing up in the midst, we had we had, you know, school lunches, and I think like every every day that we could say Thursday, we always had like a chicken day, and what I always did was I took my lunch tray and I filled one entire square of the tray with just straight honey. And I would just, I would just eat honey straight as a kid. And I would take my chicken nuggets and I would dip it in that. Um, but now, nowadays, I think I've gone from uh, honey to cane sauce. I'm going to the best. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's yeah. good answer. It's yeah. wrong. That's good. Okay. Uh, what? Um, what? So there's, there's two correct answers here. Okay. Um, <laughs> one is the standby honey mustard. You can't ever go wrong with honey mustard. Two is, is a 50-50 mix. Between buffalo sauce and blue cheese. You mix them 50-50, and you get the heat, and you get the cool in one in each tendy dunk. Okay. How often do you actually do that? Every time I have tendies at home. Seriously? Yeah, dude. I have a, I have a spread of like eight sauces that I line up. My daughter's puts ketchup on everything, and I'm just like, ah. Oh, <laughs> what am I feeling? Sauce connoisseur. What am I feeling? <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Solid question. I love how all the fucking questions are about goddamn tendies. <laughs> someone asked someone asked if we've ever tried plant based tenders. I have not. Gardein Ultimate. Gardein Ultimate. Okay. Okay. All right. Maybe we do a live ta- taste test. Has anyone got any? We can eat them right now. In your pockets? No. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, okay. 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 Right. We'll try one and maybe talk about it in a future episode. Okay. Yeah. We'll okay. do a Gardein's Ultimate frozen tender taste test. What was that? What was that? Cane's tendy? Is this a joke? No. Someone, Someone in the audience has actual cane tendies right now. Oh, my Hell God. yeah, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Woo! He is now getting applauded. Mm-hmm. All right. No, we get one and we eat it like Lady in the Tramp. Yeah. <laughs> you, okay, double side. I, didn't, I wasn't fucking serious. But. God damn it. That was hot, that dude. Was 
That was way more awkward than I expected. That turned me on, bro. I don't think I've ever been that close to you. Well, no, I definitely, I definitely have. I definitely have. All right, <laughs> wait until I eat this food on the fucking podcast. Okay, so if you can't think of a good question, you go, <laughs> you go to the Trapped Under Plastic Facebook group, and there is a, a post that we put a little while ago where people put in their questions. And Sexy Teeth Josh, he's moderator over there. Mm. And so he'll probably look at some right now. But you can pull out your phones. We also do not mind tender questions. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> what? Oh, fuck. Most useless piece of painting advice. John? I thought she was going to say given, and I'm like, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen? No. <laughs> Most useless piece of painting advice I've ever gotten. That's a really good question. I always tend to ha like have issues with just like people who state things as fact that are obviously like not verified at all. Like I always pick on the idea of like people who hate wet palettes for like if you put metallics on there they leak into the sponge and then go from the sponge into other paint and it's like dude if you use white and red paint does your white paint turn pink ever that's even like that's way finer than mika stuff so like obviously it's not gonna happen so that's not really advice but it's just like i hate stuff like that okay so you're talking about like myths yeah but that that wasn't the actual question though okay no uh the most useless piece of painting advice i ever got um, oh, okay. I, I got one. Go, it wasn't given ahead. to me. Okay. Uh, ben Comas was taking a class from an old French painter, and they were all trying to do freehand. Um, it's the guy who runs Fagone Art. His name is what? Yes, Jeremy. And Jeremy's kind of known as having like a personal kind of teaching style. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's like a little harsh. He's got a little harsh on you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they are all, all learning how to do freehand. And like, as I understand it, the, the class was kind of just like, okay, you're gonna do you're gonna do a dragon, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, here here's your banner, and then like, dragon done. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like they were walking around, or he was walking around. Jeremy was trying to walk around and help people. Mm -hmm. And I, Caleb was in the class too, and he was like, how am I supposed to do this? He's like, just figure it out, man. Like he had like no constructive feedback <laughs> for him at that time. It was like, dang, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure it out, bud. Okay. Um, yeah, I I uh, the advice that I find is least helpful is something that it it sounds very like smooth and like poppy and really impressive in a few amount of words but it doesn't actually deal with all the nuance that is miniature painting because oftentimes just saying like something to grab your attention be like just do blah 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 it's like wow man it doesn't always work that way like mm. if you said like a swear word mm. and then you said smoothness mm. i would say like that's probably advice that it's, it's silly just on face value. Right, yeah. Yeah, no one right way for everything. Right. All right, cool. Next question. Good question. Make them easier, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like dialing it in. So back to the constructive criticism comment, when you feel it's always appropriate to give constructive criticism, I mean, I assume it's always appropriate to receive constructive criticism, but... Yeah, yeah. So this guy is asking if it's ever a, uh, a good time or a right opportunity to ask if someone wants feedback and stuff like that. I think as a 
my personal philosophy would be like, no. If, if someone wants feedback, they'll ask for it. And people will often come up to me and they're like, can you look at my model? And I, and I assume they often want feedback, but I always ask, you know. Um, sometimes people just want you to tell you that, you know, it looks good and it's and like they did well and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I wouldn't personally, I'm not saying you shouldn't or anyone shouldn't, but I'm saying that I, I wouldn't do it until asking if they want it. I agree. All right. Oh, my favorite kill team. I painted one of the ones from the new Nachmund box. Yeah. <laughs> um, and those dark elf, what are they called? Corsairs. Cors- are they Corsairs? But they have a different name I because I got it wrong like seven times in the video. And I didn't want to get yelled at. <laughs> void Scarred, that's it. Uh, those Void Scarred are super freaking hot. Yeah. So I'm going to paint the rest of those and then yeah. probably never play the game even though I want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I know the Sisters of Battle got a lot of hate. In mm-hmm. that Kalnath box or Chalnath, but I like them. They're cool. Mm. Okay. All right. You can do gray shirt. Yeah, so there's a lot of companies that are branding brushes that you buy. But yeah. your experience over time, what are some brushes you recommend for people who are getting started in products? Is this amalgamation of, you should buy this or that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So question... Should you or what brushes should you start off getting started in the hobby? What kind of brushes? So I guess let's break it down by category. John, would you recommend a beginner to buy a sable brush? Yes. Okay. What size? Fairly big one, like an average of a size two. Okay. Would you recommend them to buy a synthetic brushes? Yes. Okay. Um, what brands would you recommend with uh, sable? Uh, with the sable. The reason why I recommend that I you- didn't think he was going to answer in that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, why I say yes to Sable is because it say acts, yes to Sable. Say yes to Sable. <laughs> is that your political campaign? I want to get in trouble. <laughs> my Pete is going to be on my ass. Um, so the reason I say yes to Sable is because they, they act a certain way, how firm or floppy and how, and how the, your brush control works for, with a Sable brush is different than it works with a synthetic brush. So it takes time, an amount of hours painting with whatever kind of brush you're going to use to get better at it. So I'd rather you start early with that because there are very few painters that paint at a high level in only synthetics because there's so much stuff that a sable hairbrush can do really well. And I'd rather you <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'd rather that you spend some time with that and get used to it so your skills will improve along with that, that style of brush. Which one to use? Depends on what you're comfortable in spending. You can get a respectable one like a Rosemary & Co. for around 10 bucks. And just yeah. understand that it's like, look, uh, I'm probably going to you know, do something with this brush that I might ruin it, but probably not. It's not like an airbrush. Just yeah. try to keep the paint out of the ferrule and you're fine. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was like really little and I wanted to buy like a super nice skateboard, my mom bought me a Walmart skateboard and she was like, she was like, learn 10 tricks on this to prove to me that you're not wasting my time. Um, and I did. And I got a skateboard and then I didn't do it ever again. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, so that kind of philosophy is you could start out on a synthetic brush. And then when you feel like it's holding you back, you know, then go get a nicer one, right? I feel like a lot of people, and myself included, have, you know, gear acquisition syndrome. And they feel like before they even get to the thing, they're like, I'm already being held back. And it's like, dude, you don't even know how to apply a base coat, you know? Like, take it slow. So I think it's okay to start out with just synthetics in the beginning and then graduate into a sable like a Rosemary Co., like a Raphael A404 like a Da Vinci Maestro Series 3, something like that. Um, but yeah, that's my opinion. Cool. All right, what's what? Wait, wait, this guy. Did you guys buy any cool stuff from Goodyear Hall? Oh, do we buy stuff? 
Okay, yeah. Oh, dude. sorry. Yeah, I was excited. Do we buy anything? Anything cool? I think the coolest thing that I bought was a mini from Journeyman. Uh, it's this wonderful like Viking queen on a throne. She looks very badass, and that model is super sick. And I've seen it online. It's sculpted by Charles Aegeus. It's wonderful. See, I picked up that. Cool mini. Okay. I bought a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, so from Elric's Hobbies, I bought the custom Curse hey, City. Hey, hey, hey. One thing. Oh, shit. Okay, I gotta pay one thing. No, you know. Well, my favorite thing, the thing that I'm most excited about buying, was from the Games Workshop booth because they have the big art prints and they had one left of the cover of the Soul Blight Grave Lords one. And it's like the limited run of like there's only 350 made and it's numbered and it's authentic and it's yeah, got the certificate in the back. Yeah, so dude. I bought that and it's gonna go on my wall. Did anyone at the GW booth try to pick up that giant Warhammer? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, how many of you did it without asking for permission? Yeah. Okay, so I was in that booth, and there was a guy who was talking to me, and he was like, dude, go pick it up. I did it yesterday, and it was fine. And so I went and laid hands on it, and there was an employee who got very angry at me. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. And then he handed it to me. You know, he had to make sure, like, my noodle arms could hold it up. <laughs> you know, I did it for, like, four seconds, and then I put it down. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty cool. All right, next question. question. What do you got? Paint more minis. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so the most important lesson. Oh, okay. Just one. Just one. Uh, to me is you can't screw it up. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. No matter what you do, you can always just put more paint on. Yeah. Right? So often when we start painting, we're just kind of terrified by messing it up or any work that we've done. Uh, if I keep going further, I'm only going to make it worse. No, you're not. And you did it right the first time. You figured it out sometime. So if you do make a mistake, it means you can do it again. So if we get paralyzed by making mistakes, what ends up happening to most of us is we just don't paint as much. And honestly, painting more minis is, is the key to getting better at painting. So don't get paralyzed by screwing it up. That was fucking beautiful. Thank you. No no there. further comment. All right. That water. Who's next? That guy, Tendy Man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wait, who's painting armies? Right, yeah, okay, so he's asking about after, in between painting armies and stuff like that, how do you pick a, a, a miniature that's not gaming related to paint a display model? Um, like, what are the, the choosing parameters? Um, okay, yeah. I think um, obviously everyone's interested in certain kinds of subject matters. Like I like what else and vampires and that helps. It's something you're interested in. But also I think something that's super cool is if you see a model and you kind of get an idea for it's like backstory immediately, that's kind of like a, a, a dead giveaway. And so like, I don't know if you guys have seen the diorama by Andy Wardle in the case, which is like the vampire scene. Like if you stare down that thing, it's like a movie scene, right? Like it has just story dripping out of it. And so like if I was like Andy and I saw that witch hunter in the store and I just saw that scene right away, I'd be like, that is the model for me to paint. Um, so that is often, yeah, my metric. Forgot what the question was, but I think that, <laughs> but I'm going to answer it anyway. I'm going to go with this. Okay. The problem that I have is that I find something and it gets me super excited and then I buy it and I put it in the cabinet and I forget about it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done with this, you know, paint a 
army in a week video. I'm going to find <laughs> something that excites me. Yeah. Instead of going into my cabinet, because I already have done this multiple times, I go back online and I search for something else to buy. So to me, it's just I see a model. I just I like go through a number of sites or, or just go through my Instagram feed and see what I find that excites me. It doesn't matter what it is if it's like, oh, that's cool. Then yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. And then I don't paint it, but I... But I get it. Yeah. If it, if it slightly arouses me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, hold on. Question for you guys. Can I get a show of hands who has like 10 or less models that are unpainted in their collection? Your pile of shame ten, is 10 or less. 10 or less. Oh, yeah. Mm. Big Cantor, dude. Oh. I like how this gentleman right here put his hand up and then his wife immediately pulled I know, his hand yeah. down. She was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, that was like four people, right? Four? Okay, all right. God damn. You, you guys are, are awesome hobby heroes. Goddamn unicorns in the wild. They're here. like not mini painters. They have no models. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Question. Yeah. Yeah. To me? Yes. So I guess what you're so what you're asking is is that model painted? Yes. Okay. So this guy asked if you had a, a line of, of tanks and you spray painted a green, does that count as it being painted? To me, no. To you, maybe. We can have different definitions of that, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. Okay. Sure. Sure. I would still consider that a pile of shame, okay. but but again, yeah. <laughs> no, well, like to to me it is, but painted like what is painted? That's like we can't really quantify that, right? Like when is something done? So like when I see a model, what I see is like every part of the model is going to be considered almost independently of one another. I'm going to like construct this thing, but what, like what you see is just you know a green thing as one element of your army, which is massive, right? And that's totally fine for you to think that that means painted and me think something else because we have different angles to, to miniature painting, right? But yeah, to me, no. How about you? I agree with this guy. That, that counts. I'm going to yeah. do that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, I meant no shame by that. But yeah, it's okay. I have different definitions of that. All right. Next question. Yeah. Uh, okay. So he's asking, "What's something we've learned this year?" Um, is this at the con? Uh, it can be at the con. Sure. Sure. Wow. About life. Oh man. Okay. Jeez. All right. Yeah. So it could be anything. I got mine. Okay. Go. Okay. I I learned after I guess technically three years since an Adepticon, we've all gone through this, the winter of our discontent. Uh, that is the COVID winter. Um, first of all, of all the people that came up to me, one of the questions I try to conti continually ask is, is, there, is this your first Adepticon? Um, and for me anyway, the people I talked to, nine out of 10, this was their first Adepticon, yeah. which is freaking awesome. Yeah. Because that tells me that our hobby is growing. Dude, ask them. Yeah. So, uh, so quickly, a show of hands here. Raise your hand if this is your first Adepticon. Holy shit. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. That, uh, that was like 80% of the room raised their hands. Yeah. So what I learned was that we, for many of us, 
especially those that this is our first event, that this is a very solitary kind of alone, kind of mentally helpful experience of miniature painting and the hobby. But what I was reminded of over the last couple of days is how important it is to spend time with other people that love what you love. And it doesn't have to be all the time. <laughs> but getting that, getting these kinds of moments where you're like, you're around people that love what you love and they do the same thing on their own all the time. But seeing like every once in a while coming together that this community is freaking amazing. So, yeah. Um, amazing. Great. That was awesome. Um, yeah. I think something I'm always reminded of whenever I go to a convention is you can make a YouTube video and it might like not do as well as you want it to do. Like say it gets like whatever, a 40,000 views in the first like two weeks, which like for a channel of a certain size would be like considered a failure, right? Um, I come here and I meet 10 of you people in a day and you each people. one of you is a, is a unique person with a, a unique hobby and has such a meaningful opinion of me, right? And then I see, I go back and look at that 40,000 number, and I'm like, there's 40,000 people with a, a similar situation as that. And they're all human beings, and they're all unique, and they're all special in this world. And it, make, it really, really humbles me. You know, it really makes that number a real thing. You know, like where I come from in like Roseville, the population is 50,000. And like, you know, that, my videos get the, the viewership of a small town. It really puts it in perspective of, of that number and what it means. So, yeah, I love it when you guys come up to me, by the way. You should keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So someone asked what what it means to have a room filled of goody peepees. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! <laughs> Coming to see us talk about dumb stuff. It mm -hmm. means a lot, man. It means a lot. This is this is kind of terrifying, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it 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 means a lot. It, it's kind of weird. Hold on, let me keep going. <laughs> It's kind of weird, you know, because like when you put a video out into the Internet, it gets like live judged like it's worth, you know, the stats go up and down. And this is kind of similar. We like we put an event out. We kind of put it out there. And like I've been thinking like all week long, like, like what if five people show up? What if 10 people show up? So I'm like, I'm terrified. But then to see everyone like show up and, and this room is packed. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. How about you? Um, it reinforces my bad decisions I make in life. <laughs> basically <laughs> so thank so thank you for that yeah, yeah you mean like you're you're advertising this thing as existing before we even had a room for it <laughs> maybe yeah, your scout will figure it out dude yeah <laughs> all right well, questions okay if you could take or teach any class at adepticon what would it be um I think it's easiest to answer this question by just telling you the, my best class I've ever took. Um, so I think it was maybe like five years ago, I took a speed painting class from Rafaela Pica. Uh, he's a, used to be a massive voodoo painter along with Roman Lapot on their big vlog. Um, and at the time I couldn't paint models fast, like at all. And like he showed me an entirely different approach to what miniature painting looks like and what can what can be considered done, and it like it like rocked my world. And like I've been experimenting with that format he's given me ever since. And so like that was that was like a truly eye-opening experience, and it was awesome. 
Yeah. Um, I would say the class. I got this class. I wanna. I wanna teach. I wanna teach. I wanna do it. Oh you God. you guys want to hear about it? Yeah. yeah okay. 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 The <laughs> nah, name of the class. <laughs> the name of the class is Paint Like You're Drunk. <laughs> and then when you walk in, I give you a Bud Light. <laughs> and then we sit there, and we just forget about all the stupid detail bullshit. And we just have fun together. We paint minis. And we figure out how to make something look awesome in two hours. It's just like his class, but it's better. <laughs> Why are you guys clapping? What the fuck? It sounds like an excuse to not prep literally anything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you guys clap for that? <laughs> All right, question. Uh, wait, I already did you. You. Sorry, Tendy Man. Probably two or three months ago on the podcast, you guys talked about games that you would like to make, like a single miniature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen or heard of anything that yes. inspired thoughts about that, something in the dealer's hall or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So I've been talking with a few people about that kind of game, and I actually found a game that was single miniature, and it's called uh, something like Arena of Shadows. And I think you, you play with actual... Maybe even bigger than 75 mil. I think it was statues or something in between there. Um, but I haven't played it yet, but I want to look into that and see what they did. Um, and then there was a card game, I think called Flesh and Blood, where you play, yeah, okay, not cool, where you play as a character and then you assign items and stuff like that with cards and stuff like that. So I want to check out those two things. Um, but yeah, sorry, the question was uh, have we found anything out about you know, making a game? Anything inspired that? I think one of the things we've done is we've we've play tested a couple of games. Yes, which is side story with that. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> I've been crushing John in demos, y'all. <laughs> he is mad. <laughs> oh, that wasn't the story you wanted to tell. <laughs> no. Okay, it was so bad. That after the Relic Blade demo, Malev took the dice I was using and he said, I'm putting these away. I don't want anyone else to use these yeah, yeah, yeah. this convention. Everyone's excuse, right? Oh, who's the dice? Um, I, but the, the real answer is, as we've been playing demos, mm. and as I've kind of been going back in my head in games that I've played recently, I've kind of been reevaluating from a rules design perspective and looking at the games that we're playing from that to figure out what things can I steal? Because I like to steal things, right? Because if you just try to make your thing the most awesome thing in the world, and it's completely only your own ideas, it's not going to be nearly as good as it could be if you beg, borrow, and steal from things that have already shown to be successful. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been playing a lot of games recently. Maybe people have been seeing on my Instagram story, um, all kinds of different ones. And a big reason is to kind of figure out, like, what mechanics make for a fun game like you know blood bowl maybe isn't like a super interesting game individually by itself but it has such an amazing league system it's like okay that's a cool thing but then like maybe a different game has a cooler like single game experience and you kind of figure out what they do and you know try to mold it into your own thing but yeah a lot of game testing a lot of that too all right what else hat man Yeah, so uh, is this, so you're asking about TMM versus NMM when we choose to do that. Is it, uh, 
display models, gaming models, or any kind of models. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. You want to go? Good question. Yeah. To me, it's the grander stage of what's the project. So if I'm doing an entire army with this, or like I'm going to build a kill team, but like, oh, maybe I'll really like it, and then I'll end up making a whole 40k army. I need to factor that in in whatever decision. How as big is this thing going to get? Um, because NMM in, in general is going to take you more time and how much time am I willing to commit unless you know you watch a recent video that I put out NMM for dummies in which case it can be as fast or faster than TMM dude are you like advertising one of your videos right everybody now everybody should watch that video <laughs> right now pull yeah. out your phone seriously yeah so to answer your question I think I have an easier time personally uh, making something look more impressive with NMM. I know people who are very talented with TMM who can do pretty similar things, but I'm not talented in that way. And so when I'm painting a display model and I want to show off, like, you know, you want to show off your skills, I'll always kind of bend toward NMM. And then when I am, uh, when I'm going fast, I'll do TMM. Also, if a model has a lot of really fine detail, mm. but I'm still trying to paint it really well, I might still do TMM because it's really hard to do NMM on like filigree and stuff. So yeah, that's another thing to kind of watch out for. Yep. All right, what else? Yes. Do you guys have any like holy grail one-off or out-of-print models that you'd love to own but just can't get anymore? Okay, holy grail, possibly out-of-print models that you just can't get anymore. I want every Spear of Mirabalis <laughs> bust. And so if you're not familiar with him, what he does, usually three or four times a year, he comes out with a new bust, and it's you can pre-order it for 48 hours. If you enter the pre-order, you get one, which is nice. It's not like a FOMO thing, like he only prints 250, and when they're gone, they're gone. So if you pre-order it, you get it. But after that 48 hours, it's gone forever. It will never be made again. So I see a couple of his old ones that I'm like, oh, I wish I was painting in 2017 or whatever. And it was like, then I, I could have known to buy that. So that's my main ones, yeah. Nice. I think the one that I really want that I missed out on was a, a Mindwork Games model called Witchhorn. Um, the full figure was, it was awesome. See, so yeah, I don't have that one. All right, what else? You again. Excellent hobby. Excellent hobby. Where have we seen excellent hobby? Okay, I got one. In the convention. Okay. We had a whole nother crazy story, but we're not going to tell that of a bad experience at the restaurant upstairs earlier tonight. <laughs> but we ended up going to Noodles and Company instead <laughs> so we could make it back here in time for this. So <laughs> when we're leaving, fuming away from the hostess there, there's a young kid sitting at like the table outside of like the coffee shop area. He had his earbuds in. He had all his paints out. There was no lighting at all, and he was just painting away and I was like holy shit kid nobody yeah. with him just by himself look like he was a teenager I'm like oh man I feel like I should paint more now <laughs> um I did this uh I got involved in this little live stream thing which is like kind of planted like on the other side of this wall uh people are coming around and they're uh, painting this model for charity and so it's like you come around you pay for an hour and then the new painter comes and paints for another hour or whatever however long they want to paint for and then this model gets raffled at the end of Adapticon for charity. 
And so I got to do that for about an hour and it was a lot of fun. Um, but that is such a cool thing. And the guy running it is, is so genuine. Um, and I love that people can all contribute to this thing that helps a charity. So I think that's a pretty awesome hobby. Scott just painted the boots. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hugely successful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what was that experience like for you? Like step by step. Step by step? You want to be here for like three hours, bro? <laughs> <laughs> John, do you have Kickstarter ideas that are floating around in your head? Dude, John is an idea man. <laughs> he gener he generates um, like constantly. So yeah. I don't you didn't have to answer that. Yes. <laughs> um yeah, uh, so I think, I think, I mean, John actually was involved in the process very early on. I mean, him and I had a mutual friend named Ryan O'Brien, which is a great name. Um, Ryan made my logo, by the way. Yeah, Ryan. And, and, Ryan, and the Slay the Great t-shirt. Yeah, Ryan's kind of just like a, he can do literally anything kind of person. He's a renaissance man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so him and Ryan O'Brien got together um, for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And they made the very first CAD model of the brush box, which was like a black rectangle thing with my logo in it, and it had like a orange foam in it. Um, but from there till now was a two-year process, um, and it was filled with trying different resin re casters so that that looked good, trying to find manufacturers who can do foam fabrication and metal fabrication in one, um, trying to find things out about that, trying to think, find things about like fulfillment like internationally and, and in North America. Um, and then it all kind of culminated at launching the campaign. And like I was talking earlier about how as YouTubers, we're familiar with the idea of putting a thing out and having it be judged live. That's the same thing with Kickstarter, but like times a thousand, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not views, it's like actual money, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, People are going to say whether they think your idea is worth it or not right there. And that's, it was super scary. Um, and I don't know if you guys know this, but for the first two hours of the campaign, uh, the video that I had made that I worked super hard on, I like wasn't working. And I was like freaking out because I was kind of like thinking like this video is super important. I need it to be successful. But that didn't end up being true. But I was like, I was raging. <laughs> it was, it was, it was bad. But yeah, it was a long process. All right. What else? Yes. Sorry, John. <laughs> no, 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 this is okay. I'll drink. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think what's really nice about developing a model and then painting it is that you are kind of already aware of all of its like details before it even gets to you. And sometimes you like like the painting process is a little bit about like discovery you'll be painting a you know a model and discovering these things while painting it and it kind of infects what you think the end outcome is going to look like but with this with this design already done i mean i i know about the full landscape of this model so i don't need a there's no surprises <laughs> what was that uh <laughs> there's no surprises um and also like you're you're already thinking of like how to paint the model beforehand Yeah, so Sorry, that just makes you it, it just makes it easier. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, yeah, goddamn right it is. <laughs> well, you gotta. There's a yeah. There's a there's a pre-workout class for that. If you're from Wisconsin, 
yeah, 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 yeah. No. Um, yeah, that's that. You had to go down. Uh, it's a full case uh, beer. You got to drink that beer. Okay. <laughs> you losing Next it, question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what up, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what did, what did our Ow. wives think about our hobbies before it became our careers? It's not video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. For some reason, <laughs> our our wives hate video games. Just fucking hate them. <laughs> yeah. Hate them. I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It was, for me, it was very early on, I made the dumb mistake of taking on a commission of painting what ended up being about like $600 worth of 40K terrain. And uh, don't do that, okay, please. <laughs> um, but she's like, "You're getting paid money for this, and 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 you're not playing video games." She's like, "Can I buy shoes?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, you can buy shoes if I can paint my little plastic so- soldiers." So. Yeah, I met Amber in high school, and when I met her, then it was already like super clear that I was like an omega geek. So, like, when she figured out that I painted miniatures, it's like, okay, that's par for the course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, whatever, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, indifference is my answer. <laughs> mm. All right, next question. Who or more specifically, what is going to win the first Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Who Do we, we know are the, fi- like, the top three all decided? So, so I'll, no. say, I'll say that. I have looked at the case last yesterday at midnight. So if anything I got put in today, I haven't seen it. Okay. So the question is, is who do we think is going to win Slayer Sword? Um, if I had money that I could bet on this, which would be pretty sweet if we could, I would bet on Ben Comet's duel. Okay. So I had a, a little interview session with the Evy Metal guys today, and they kind of reshaped what I think about what's going to win. And they had like a kind of a, a mental rubric. And one thing that I didn't really think about was so important was if a piece celebrates Warhammer, like the culture of it, that is like a really important thing. So like uh, one guy mentioned, if someone painted a ultramarine and they painted it yellow and they painted it really well, really yellow, so well, crispiest edge highlights, he said that would never win because it doesn't like respect the material. And so I didn't really think about that. And that kind of made, that kind of threw my whole thing out of whack. Um, but if I had to guess, I would say there's this unit of vampires done by a guy named something McLeod, Robin McLeod. And it is beautiful. It is wonderful. And I love it. It's vampires. It's painted so well. I think it's going to win. God, that was long winded. Sorry. I know how to expand questions. All right. Yeah. Mm. All right. How not to be jealous of people? Uh, piano wire. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Do you guys seen Daryl yet? <laughs> He's here somewhere. We don't need Daryl. We got Conjon, dude. No, dude. <laughs> Good enough. Uh, that was a legit question. We try to answer it. Um, I don't know. We're not like we're not experts in this kind of stuff. We also experience jealousy, right? Mm-hmm. People paint better than us. There's always going to be someone who paints better than you. Um, I mean, like Ben Cantor is right there. He paints better than me. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's not a race. It's not a competition unless it literally is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is starting off bad. <laughs> I, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I made a little video about Roma Lapat, and what he taught me was everyone's journey is their own journey. You're like, you're doing this for fun, right? Like, you're, you're painting for fun. You're not trying to get somewhere. Like, the whole thing is the, the fun part, right? So... I don't know. Everyone's journey is different. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, there's the, a platitude. <laughs> what a good thing to do is to keep a majority or all of your old minis and then line them up in a timeline and say, gosh, this person is so much better than me, but how much better am I now than I was six months or a year ago? That will, that will remind you that, you know, you're getting there. So, yeah. Cool. What's next? Emily. God damn it. <laughs> damn it, Emily. I feel like it's a really good idea. I feel like this is a really good idea. The question is a really good idea? Yeah, I think we should do it. Okay. <laughs> Emily asked if we were to get matching tattoos, where would it be and what would it be? Okay, I know the answer to this. Okay, go with it. Um, it's two tendies, <laughs> but they're each curved in the shape of the half of a heart. <laughs> and they're on our forearms, so when you put them together, uh, you fucking tendy yeah, heart. Yeah. <laughs> tendy heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sweet metal band name, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do that, sure. <laughs> Shit, don't actually say yes, you'll do it. <laughs> do it. If you guys pay for it, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, no, no, no. Just kidding, dude. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, this guy's giving me his wallet right now, dude. Yeah, toss it over. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we all just show up. Hi. <laughs> uh, you want what? <laughs> no, no, we're doing a podcast right now. Just go with it. <laughs> all right, what else? Yeah. Yes. So I get that. So the question is, is um, like, what do people in our like immediate family think of what oh, we do as a job? Is it a real thing? Stuff like that, dude. Oh God. Oh God. Okay. So, all right. So my dad, uh, my dad is a Vietnam veteran. He was, he was drafted into Vietnam and he doesn't particularly like the United States government, but he, um, <laughs> he's very, very <laughs> traditional in that you get a job, so you get stability. This, this very Midwestern American mindset of you need to make sure that you're there to support your family, and then you get a retirement, and then you're blah, blah, blah. And the irony of this is that his employer of almost 40 years, which was IBM, um, they cut all their pension like five years before he retired. Luckily, they invested enough, well enough, to where they can retire um, and be okay. But... I never told him. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, please just. <laughs> Everyone, add him on Facebook right now. Dude, he doesn't. Dude, he doesn't. Yeah, believe yeah. in having any information on the internet. <laughs> uh, so I worked in the stiff, Wait, regular what? world Is this for, for real. Yes, for. Uh, 
for like 20 years. So he just thinks I still do that. But but the cool thing is, is with COVID, I went to full-time work from home. So he's just like, I guess he just still works in the basement. <laughs> I mean, you do. I mean, yeah, technically I haven't lied to him because I never told him I quit my job. And he never asked, so... <laughs> I think the I think the closest thing, like I ever get to like a negative experience with that kind of question, is like, like maybe an in laws talking to me about like a home renovation and stuff like that, and it's like, oh, you can do it because you're home all day, right? And it's like, no, I can't. I'm like working twelve hours a day, so but yeah, so that that so that's not like terrible. That's the worst thing. My parents are mostly just like curious, or like anyone is just like curious. Like, how do you make money? That's the biggest question they always ask. Um, but yeah, no one's ever like get a real job. Which is I'm thankful for. Yeah. Now you can pull up the Kickstarter and be like, like this. Yeah. <laughs> Legitimacy. <laughs> yeah. Question for John. Okay. All right. Oh, she loves it. She loves it because my daughter, her main source of entertainment is YouTube, and it's the most mind-numbing bullshit that she watches. She has never played Minecraft. A minute in her life and she watches minecraft videos all day every day and i'm like damn it i need more people like that with mini painting like, <laughs> but she loves it she i got the silver plaque the hundred thousand subscribers silver plaque Woo! And she, oh, thank, you. thank you got it and so it came in the mail and uh she 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 knew what it was before I even was there. I'm like, how do you even know what this is? She's like, oh, I see him opened all the time. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Ouch. Um, and she's like, so when are you going to get the gold one, which is the million subscribers? And I'm like, yeah, John, when? You'll be moved out of this house. <laughs> and I'll be dead. So it's fine. <laughs> uh, but she, she loves it. Um, she might be in a video in, in the future because I think there is, there is an opportunity about teaching our kids to paint miniatures and all the value that it has. Um, so yeah, she very wholesome, it. very yeah. wholesome. You got a question? Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of techniques available to painters. Yeah. What would you say like your top three are that you should master to be stronger as a painter of your hobby training? Okay. I'm going to fire back at you and I'm saying that's the wrong question. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh. I, so there, there is, there is a prevailing thing that I see in people that like ask questions about like thinking of technique as like a tool that like has to be used in a specific setting, almost like hammering a nail into a, a piece of wood. But like when I paint, there's just, it's like there's just hybrids of everything happening constantly, right? Like I never just explicitly wet blend in a, in a certain way that I can demonstrate in a video, right? It's like different every single time. Like sometimes it's thin paint, thicker paint, big area, small area. So it's just like, I don't think that thinking about technique is like, okay, as like a stepping stone to like getting better uh, is the right mentality. But like, I think the better mentality is, I don't know, but that's not it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. <laughs> uh, okay. I got a different answer. Yeah. Okay. This is good. So I think that um, it's kind of like, a, it's like a big bag, right? So everyone needs a big sack. And in the sack, you put, you put all the different techniques. But usually what we think of is that like, I need to get uh, the, each one in the sack to max level. When in actuality, just go with the sack reference yeah, for a while yeah, with yeah. me, okay? John, I'm talking about dude. a bag, okay? I don't know what you guys are talking about. So what I think, 
And what I found that, that works for me anyway is that I spend time learning and kind of just understanding what each of the different techniques are. And then I recognize that they exist. And then instead of focusing on doing this there and then this there and, this, and then this there, I'm aware of them. And then I just focus on how is my brush control going? I think brush control, if there's one thing that isn't talked about enough that is the most valuable thing, is being able to have the brush do what you want it to do where you want it to do it. And if I understand what all the techniques are, I don't need to be a master in them, but if I can just control my brush, being aware of all the other techniques, I'll get to where I want to go. And the more times I paint minis, each of those other techniques will naturally just kind of flow into what Scott was talking about, of it becoming a subconscious process, or I'm not actively thinking about wet blending. I'm not actively thinking about glazing. I'm just painting my mini and reacting to what I'm looking at. Thanks for the save, bro. No, uh, but if I can be like honest to you for a second, like I thought that same thing and I like learned techniques in an explicit way, like when I was learning. So like, who am I to say that's the wrong thing to do? Um, so like, if you want to like learn wet blending specifically, you should like use it explicitly like on one model and just just do that. That'll help you learn it. But like, yeah, which ones are the best? I don't know if there's an answer to that question. All right, all right. I want to grab some that I've been having getting. How about you? John, mm. have you painted with your dog? Yes. Do you have video or pictures of it? Um, I have a lot of pictures of it, but I have not recorded our painting yet because I want it. This is more of a technical aspect side of how can I capture the interaction, capture what she's doing, and capture me trying to show her. It's I need more cameras, okay? Yeah, you just need 80 cameras. I need more cameras. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you. What goes into uh, making a video, like storyboarding it or whatever? Yeah, so the question is what goes into making a video? Okay, I, I, when I started this, I had no idea. So what I did was, I, and I, I can just tell you my whole process. So what <laughs> I do is I go. start with painting the model. So I don't want to worry about what the story is or what the what is the point of the video. Um, I have I have typically like a seed of an idea. It's like all right, um, I want to do a video on painting NMM because I've been lately been trying to get it done fast. So I'm like I'm just going to paint a model or I'm going to paint NMM on that model. I don't have any plan coming into it about what I want to make sure I say in this video. Why I do it that way is because oftentimes in my videos, like I learn something, I realize something, I kind of go down this journey in the painting process, and I want that to be the focus because that what ends up excites me. If I script or I plan or I figure out all the answers before I ever get there, I'm going to be bored. And by the time I get to the point where I talk to the camera and I do all the, the voiceover stuff, it's going to be boring to me. And if it's boring to me, it's going to be boring to you. So I start with painting it. And then I go through the multi-step editing process of trying to craft a story that I think is as fun as the experience was for me. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, like, a bunch of different ways to make a video because I have like, a couple of different formats I like to make. But I think the most often is I have an idea for a video, like John said, NMM. Um, and I pick a model that best is going to like serve that subject matter. Like I did a pinup video recently. I found a pinup that I like to paint uh, that made sense. Um, but also, like there are things I have to think about in a video making process that take longer to do. So if I want to interview someone in the course of that video, I have to be aware of that like yeah. beforehand because it takes a while to like you know schedule things. 
So I need to know, okay, do I need to buy something for this video? Do I need to like talk to someone for this video? I need to figure that out before I start painting because uh, those often take you know, a while to get to you or to kind of secure. But yeah, similar, similar process. You know, what's weird is that this is a really timely question because this is really the first time since I started making YouTube videos where I got to like, for the most part, hang out in person with other content creators because there's a fair number of them here. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the conversations that I poignantly had was I wanted to ask, what is your video creation process like? And none of them have been the same. Every different person does it in a different order or a different reason or different how they do it. I think that's one of the reasons why what we do in, in YouTube mini painting is so cool is because everyone's process is different. Everyone's personality is different. And so it's like, that's why we all get along is because like, we know that we're all here and helping each other. So yeah, except for Goobs, his process is weird. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Dude. I'm just... dude, Goobs is an animal, dude. dude. I got a fucking Goobs story. Okay. I'm not going to say it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, what was the catalyst change from uh, a career like in software engineering or in the health industry to YouTube? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I hated my job uh, and I, I saw the writing on the wall when I was doing like internships. But I kept telling myself it'd be different if, like in the real world. And it wasn't. It was just the same thing. Um, and I don't know. I didn't want I, I didn't want to tolerate that for like the next 30, 25 years of my life. Um, you gonna retire when you're 45, dude? 30, 40, do whatever. I couldn't take five. <laughs> um, and you know, I had an interest in painting miniatures. I had an interest in um, making videos. I like both those things. Um, and I only consumed YouTube as my entertainment. And like all those things, were like I should give us a real shot. And uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the first videos I made were like an excuse to paint like that Blood Angel commission that I had never finished. Seven years, <laughs> Seven years dude. Uh, and yeah, so I just started, I started there. I started finishing a project that I had left over and it kind of just escalated. But yeah, it was just like unhappiness and uh, I like doing all the things that YouTube uh, requires to make. All right, I got a story for you. So where I worked for about eight years, I was the manager of long-term recruitment for a healthcare organization. What that means is that I worked with high schools, high school students, and college undergrads. And one of the main things that I did was I was trying to find students and get them on their path to finding the thing that, that excites them. And the cool thing about that was that I would always tell kids that I work for a hospital and I don't want you to work for my hospital if that's not what you love. So my main job was to help kids find what they were passionate about so then they would get on the journey from a young age and do that. And I kind of feel like a lot of us, like, God damn it, I wish we would have been do told that or talked to somebody or had those resources when we were a kid. And I loved that job. I freaking loved it. Until I met Scott. <laughs> and that... I, I realized dude, I do not know why I said I'd hang out with him. Yeah. <laughs> he just emailed me and he was like, you want to get a beer? And I was like, dude, someone recognized me. Yeah, let's do it. It was so crazy. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> so I, yeah, that happened. I emailed him. I showed up into his house, went down to his basement 
He's wearing this. He was wearing fucking short shorts, just like he wears all the time in the videos. And if you don't see him in these te- teeny tiny short shorts, he's wearing them. He just they're under the table. <laughs> Never met the guy in his life. His wife wasn't there, but it, halfway through the time meeting that we were there, she texted him asking, "Like, are you still okay?" <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that there was an example of somebody that was doing something that was just like pure passion-based, pure art-based, and just loving it. And I was newly into this hobby, and I was just like, I was balls deep, 100% ball sack into miniature painting. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I've been telling kids to find the thing that you love to do and just make it happen, but I didn't do it myself. So I'm like, at one point, I realized, this is like after the pandemic hit, and I was on furlough. So our company basically is like, um, you're on furlough, which is a nice way of saying like, you're laid off temporarily, question mark. And I'm like, nothing, going back to my dad, nothing is, is, is given. You are not guaranteed anything. This company that I work for, that gives me health insurance, that's going to give me a pension and going to help me retire. They just fucking kicked me to the curb. So why am I doing that when I could do something that I actually love and then take my future into my own hands? Thanks, God. If this fails, it's all your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, John, John was made for being a YouTuber, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it was super easy. Sexy teeth, Joshy. Uh, yeah, Josh, what up? Internet. <laughs> Internet. Oh, yeah, great idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Call on me, man. Yeah, dude. All right. Uh, Call on. <laughs> Yeah. What kind of advice do you have for somebody that can't really spend the time on their 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 hobby? They yeah. Yeah. So if you have limited time, what's the best way to spend your time in the hobby? Watching YouTube videos, baby. <laughs> Securing my own future. No. Uh, I mean, I think the I think the answer is kind of obvious. It's just painting, right? Like if you can even paint for thirty minutes a day, thirty minutes every other day, thirty minutes every three days, thirty minutes once a week. Just do it, you know? Well, I think the question at its base is not unlike the same question most of us deal with when we're talking about our own health. We talk about, I don't have time to work out. I'm always busy. I don't have time to cook healthy meals at home. I don't have time to paint miniatures. We do have time. We've prioritized other things. That doesn't mean that we're wrong or terrible people or whatever that just means that's the way our priorities have aligned Mm -hmm. i can tell you if you make it a priority and you make a schedule in your life and even if that's that schedule needs to change and fluctuate based on other factors in your life if you schedule it and you make it a priority you could find the time even if that 30 minutes is sunday morning at from 10 to 10 30 that is what i can commit to today and if you make it a routine Humans are weird. If you get in a routine, it becomes, it becomes something that's natural and you continue it. If you rely on the whim to get something done, if you're anything like me, it just doesn't get done. Yeah. So scheduling is important. Yeah. I think we got about like 20 minutes left. I think for the last 20 minutes, let's get Ben Cantor up here as a little bit of a guest spot. And you want to answer some questions with us, Ben? Yeah. Hey. All right, we're getting Ben up here. 
Yeah, dude, you're the meat, dude. Little tendy sandwich up here, dude. All right, uh, what question do you guys have for possibly Ben or possibly all three of us? Yeah. Yeah. What is Cantor's favorite dinosaur? Uh, I mean, like anybody who grew up in the 90s, it's obviously the Velociraptor. Mm. Which, I think, haven't we established that's not a real dinosaur? Yeah. Uh, trapped under plastic, we, we busted that myth. Actually, as the paleontologist, was yeah. I wrong? Yeah, yeah, it's a dinosaur, but it's little. It, yes. yes. You were right. Utah Raptor is bigger, so you were right. Dude, the whole thing happened in this podcast that I was unaware of? Yeah, we talked We talked <laughs> we about Velociraptors. Bit. We talked about Velociraptors, dude. Oh. All right, dude. So I'm just curious. So what are the, the people at home can just see us, right? They can't see, like, Tendy Nation over here? Right, right, right. Okay, Wait, like, oh, no, this is not being live-streamed. Oh, it's not being live-streamed? No, no, I don't got that kind of technology. Definitely. Okay. No. Yeah, you can do some... Him All right, what else? Yes. So you guys have had a you know, sort of unconventional yep. career path. No. Yeah. I mean, that means we're talking about you know, how you got into it. Yep. How do you guys see yourselves you know, five, ten years in the future for keeping going with this kind of, of career? Yeah. A really fucking stressful question, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your five-year plan? <laughs> Yeah, so we so the question was we have weird uh, careers. What does the five year plan look like? I really want to get into like selling physical product, like selling miniatures. I love that. Uh, I love all these companies here that are selling super cool display miniatures, really cool, fun, unique games. I, I want to be involved in that. I, I love this hobby, like from like the top to the bottom, and like making games for it, making awesome models for it. I want to do all that. So I, I think getting into more of like a, a product thing uh, is my interest, while also doing videos on YouTube. Ben, you paint models, and you're also a real boy. It's true. How do you see that changing in five years? You know what? I'm going to continue to both paint models and be a real boy. Well, unlike, <laughs> unlike, the, un, unlike these guys, I don't actually do this. I don't. You guys may or may not know. I don't actually do not do this professionally. This is just very much a hardcore hobby for me. This is not my career. So, I my whole thing is I'm trying to make sure that my career gives me enough space in mm. order to continue to do this. Like, I think it's important to me to not get squeezed out, basically, because like, I'm sure, I, I, I'll, I'm like a lot of you people who probably you have a day job you have to go to and you have to be there at a certain time because you have to get up super early and like squeeze in your two hours of painting for you to work, or maybe you come home after work and you're super tired and you have to squeeze in your two hours of painting. And I can tell you that it is extremely depressing when your work demands more out of you and you start to feel squeezed. And I personally get super resentful when I'm like, they're squeezing me too much. They're taking my painting. Like, you know, I don't care how much you want to pay me in overtime. Like, you start taking away my painting time, I get so pissed. So I'm starting to rage now. Can you, can you guys, can fuck? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> get fired up, dude. Get fired oh. up. <laughs> um, oh, so, we can feel it, Ben. So five year, five year objective is just, God, get them off me. Yeah. Dick, like, yeah. you know, yeah. just a, yeah, it's a more pain time. Boundaries. Yeah. Uh, I haven't thought about that question until this very moment, so uh, I'm excited for this answer. <laughs> um, uh, the, the honest answer is, I just want to get good at this first. <laughs> hey, yeah, no, that's yeah. respectable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and then I want to. I uh, have bad comments in the house. Yeah. Nice hat, nice bro. Should we? 
Okay, yeah. It's, awesome. it's funny. It's like a little bird came, and, and early on in the episode, someone asked Nick, "Who are your favorite painters?" You know, and you know, and I, I, I said Ben. So. Should we should we tag in Ben comments? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we can trade the sandwich meat. You, you only look, answer one question. Look, I'll answer one more question, then we tag him in. All right, all right. We got a better Ben in here, you guys. Oh no, ben. it's up, right. it's a Ben upgrade. All right, more questions. Uh, you. Well, like I'm an egomaniac, so I think everything I do is the best. <laughs> so that is not hard. <laughs> no, I think I think it needs to be a model that you know you can paint for a super long time and like not like hate toward the end. You know, so people people get caught up in trying to like game the system. It's okay. A very simple example. This is GD. I got to paint a Space Marine to win. But like, what if you hate painting Space Marines? You're never gonna make it through that entire process painting something you hate, right? So it's gotta be something that's gonna fuel your creativity like all the way to the end because otherwise you know you're gonna start to trail off toward that end. Yeah. I think Ben's a great person to answer this question because I feel like Ben thinks about this a lot. I do. I think. Oh, uh, I think so. I think ultimately depends. <laughs> Thank on, you, John. <laughs> that's what I'm here it for. It depends on what competition you're entering and why you're entering it. Like, if you just like painting miniatures and you might want to put them in a competition, you should just paint whatever miniature you, you want, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to win the competition, I think you need to look at what is the competition asking from you. I think a competition like Golden Demon is asking something very different from you than Crystal Brush asked from you, and that's asking something very different than Gen Con. Golden Demon, I think, is asking you to paint particular miniatures in a particular way. Something like Gen Con is asking you to just, like, show us something, you know, show us, show us basically whatever you want, and but just, like, make it impressive and, like, nerdy and kind of crunchy for us. So... You know, it's customizing your why are you painting it and customizing it to the competition and how strategic do you want to be or or whatever. So, awesome. Yeah, I have nothing to add. All right. <laughs> I just look at Ben Comet's pieces in there and then I'm like, why the fuck did I enter? <laughs> <laughs> ben Comet said he says that about my piece. Did uh, you guys hear that? Yeah, did you hear that? Wait, wait, wait. That was you that said that. <laughs> I thought it was a random person. No, no, it was him. <laughs> okay. We have it on video forever, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I kind of like slowly transitioned into it. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> transitioning Jake you just totally like you like like sniper rifled my train of thought like <laughs> Ben can you ask the question what is it it was about now fuck now I forgot dude <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable could, this guy could it's you, all his fault could you third time's a charm okay could you have become a YouTuber if you didn't have a professional career to first transition into it is that right yes yes <laughs> alright we got there yeah, Con John figured it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I definitely like kind of switched over like slowly, and having the income from a software engineer like helped that process immensely. Um, but it's hard to say what the past will look like if I had a different job. You know, I kind of think that I would make it happen no matter what because I loved the idea of it so much. But maybe not. 
How about you, John? Yeah, John. I'm drinking water. Have Ben answer. I'm, I'm not a YouTuber. <laughs> I am not a YouTuber. <laughs> oh, shit. Not applicable. You gotta... That's why I have you on here, Ben, so I don't have to answer I, I, all these I, goddamn questions. All right, questions. all right. Slam that do, bro. Um, could... Does it help me? Um, okay. Let's assume that because I had a career, that means that you have other things that go with the career, like a mortgage and a wife and a kid. And to me, that was a scarier thing. Like... I wish I would have been able to do this when I'm 20 and I lived in a dump and I just put everything I had a hundred hours a week because this was entirely my life and I forced it to succeed. Unfortunately, I didn't find this damn hobby until I was like 35 years old. And uh, you, you have to realize that the, whatever your position you're at in your life, you need to reflect on how can I maximize the way my life is already going to not throw everything away and not make my child hate me and my wife divorce me and everything <laughs> crumble, which is I'm legit. Like, I mean, it's a balance and, and still work towards your goal. You know, if, as long as you communicate that with those around you and you say, this is what I want to do, whether it's becoming a YouTuber or whether it's becoming, you know, a award-winning miniature painter or whether it's like, I want to have the coolest army at the tournament, whatever that is, if you put that in the universe and say, this is what I want to do. Like suddenly you're like, oh shit, I told people that and I got to fucking do the work. So yeah. put it in the universe. It'll happen. All right. Next question. Do you have one? <laughs> Unlimited amount of attendees. Okay, so Slayer Sword versus unlimited attendees. Let's make the question a little bit easier. If you got a Slayer Sword, you could never have another attendee. Oh God. <laughs> Maybe that's too. Is that too much? Would you also slay a, uh, slay a fourth with this? Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, so you get to do a wield? Is okay. that what we're saying? Okay. All right. So yeah, do you want unlimited attendees or a Slayer Sword? I feel like I'd want a Slayer Sword. Yeah, that's not even. Qu that's <laughs> not even close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I can buy attendees. <laughs> I mean, could you buy Ben? You want to sell one? Ben? Ben? Hey, you want to sell one, Ben? Yes, yes. Okay, then I'll take the tendies. I mean, yeah. This is this is America. Like tendies, tendies are cheap. Tendies are widely widely distributed. Like, you know, let's. Uh, everybody wants a Slayer Sword. Let's not pretend like anybody would take the tendies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else? I want Ben to answer this question mm. first. Oh my God. Wow. What a, I think here's, here's, okay. Let me give you the, sound like a hippie, but like, honestly, my favorite model is always the one that I am working on. And my least favorite one is always the one that I just finished. So if you ask me, I hate all my previous models and I like, I like the one I'm working on until I finish it. And then I realize it's never going to be what I wanted it to be. And then I hate it. So it's a, you could say, you could say it's a love hate relationship. Jesus. <laughs> That's depressing as hell, man. <laughs> yeah. It's also a pretty good answer, honestly, because I feel like we kind of all at some point or another, we feel that whether it's in the middle of the process where you have the ass phase of the model and you're like, oh, that's right, I suck. <laughs> um, or it's done and you're like, oh, gosh. But you have this feeling of hope, the old hope springs eternal at some point early on in the painting process where you're like, this could, this could be something. Like, I love this model. I'm going to do better. This is going to be better than my last one. And 
just ride that. Remember that feeling because eventually you're going to feel this sucks or you're going to finish it and you're like, it's, it's not as good as I want it to be. And we all feel that. So, okay, Ben, you're right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I mean, I have an answer that's not super depressing. Uh, <laughs> I made a model for a, like a video game that meant a lot to me. Uh, it was called Fade, and I painted it really well. And I think it wasn't so much that the paint job was good or, or bad or anything, but that model had so much like meaning to it. It represented something so positive in my life that I just always look at it, and it always makes me happy. Uh, it like represented friendship and like the video game that I loved like, for 10 years. So, yeah, that kind of mini. Uh, what else? What is a recent major disappointment you've had in your miniature painting career? And to bounce back, what did you do? Okay, so well, what was the recent major disappointment and how did you bounce back from it? Okay. You want okay, to start again? I, uh, I got one. Okay, go. I thought my miniature for Golden Demon, I was like pretty proud of it. And then I got here and then I saw everyone else's model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh shit, I guess. You know, well, after not having like in-person competitions for a number of years, you kind of you get this disproportionate understanding of how good people really are. Because you see their pictures on Instagram, you're like, God, that's really freaking cool. And you see it in person, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's cooler. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> damn it. So my thought is, though, is like I need to remind myself that like I'm, before I go, I'm going to stand really close to Ben. And I'm going to be like, just give me a little bit of your soul. <laughs> and then we're fine. We're fine. I'll get it next year, guys. Don't that's, worry. That's how you're bouncing back? Yeah, that's how I'm bouncing back. Soul suck. Look out, Ben. <laughs> John and I are really vibing today. Yeah. Because I feel the exact same way, man. Okay. We're, we're just vibing. But Simple I'll add, point. I'll add that I had the exact same thing, like coming in with my models for, to Golden Demon, feeling pretty good about them, and now feeling like, I'm not going to say zero chances, but chances are low single digits if I were to quantify them that these are actually like potential winners. But I've already bounced back because now I'm just thinking about 2023. I'm already pumped up for 2023. I've just moved on. I've accepted it. And now we're just thinking 2023. And, I, you know, this is, we're going to learn a lot this year about, yeah. yeah, there's some big questions that are being asked about what this year, I think specifically, because it's such a circus up there, about what could potentially be successful. So... I think those answers are going to be really exciting for me at least. I think a disappointment I had was about entering something. Um, I didn't paint anything explicitly for the con and I've been really wrestling with this, this idea where it's like nothing I have is worthy to put in there unless I painted it explicitly for it. And I've gotten people's opinions that are on both sides of the fence of that. It's like, you know, you should or you shouldn't do that. And so, I feel like a disappointment that I, I'm not totally sure of, but I'm wrestling with. Like a thought in my head is like, you know, should I bother to put a model that I painted three years ago? It looks kind of good into the case and kind of like waste their time. You know, if it's not gold worthy, is it like, or like, sorry, uh, award worthy at all? Is it like worth putting in there or is it just good to put it in there just for the sake of putting it in there? Um, so yeah, kind of a disappointment of mine and a thought that I've been having. Yeah. How have yeah. you felt about that? Cause you did put, Stuff in there. Yeah. It, like, have you had, like, a, this is how I feel since then? No, not really. I feel like whenever, when anyone ever asks, I have this overwhelming need to explain to them that, like, oh, this is not my best work, you know? Like, <laughs> I can pay better than this. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, people said to do it and not do it. Uh, you and Vince, like, told me to bring seven of my pieces, and they all sat down and looked at it and kind of picked which one had the most potential. Um, 
But I think like the the way I framed myself was like I'm going for a finalist pin. Like when I entered Crystal Bush for the first time, all I wanted to do was make the online cut. I didn't want to win anything, and so it's my first GD ever competing. All I want is a finalist pin. I don't I don't I don't want a, a demon. I can start there and then get better. Yeah, yeah. You got a finalist. Hey, you did it! Thank you, thank you guys. All right, next question. You. No, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Uh, compounding off of that, uh, what, would you, what have you noticed about the models you think are in theory better or more award-winning than yours? Uh, what have you noticed about them that, you know, why, do, why do you think they'll win over your PC? Okay, so yeah, so like maybe what makes a model like look better in a Golden Demon event like in that case, yeah. Well, number one is hours, <laughs> right? Like, if you have more hours to put in, you will make a better-looking piece. It's pretty simple, but it's also not because we all have the rest of our lives to deal with. And how many pieces are we going to enter in there? How do I get that math equation in my head about how many hours am I going to put into each of those? And then it's like, how much blood, sweat, and tears am I willing to sacrifice? Because the first 80% of painting something for competition is mostly, I want to say, the easy part. The last 20% is where you, you separate the men from the boys or the women from the girls. And that is how much are you willing to sacrifice to do things that you're going to hate to do to make sure it's perfect. And it's really how much you're willing to put in. So, And then also be really talented, but whatever. Do I like it? I like the start of that like answer. Ben's in the back like shaking his head mm. no. <laughs> John's like, oh shit, maybe I course correct here. <laughs> left, left. Yeah, I got to pee. I'll be right back, okay? Me too, but you better hurry. Okay, Ben, you want to hold it down? Yeah, yeah. Ben, you want to come up here and hold it down? <laughs> okay. okay, get up here. Get up yeah. here. Since he's shaking uh, his head, he's going to give his own answer here, too. So, uh, All right, Ben. I'll just say that this has actually just been a long and long planned and very successful coup. Okay. <laughs> no! Uh, Scott right, has Matt, been eliminated. Matt's up next, and it's going to be a full changing of the guard. Okay. Oh, did he leave? That son of a bitch. Hmm. Ah, clever. Okay. All right, your answer. Oh, well, yeah, oh, the question. The question. Okay. So here's what I would say is when you're looking at Golden Demon pieces that are better than yours, they're better than yours for one, two, or one, two, or both of these reasons. They were either more ambitious than yours, or they were more refined than yours, or both. Um, what's really and what's really unfortunate when it's both, because if you're looking at a piece that's both more ambitious and refined than yours, then you're just like, you know, it's it's the, you can't you can't yeah you, you can't like you can't like hope your way out of it. And so yeah, I'm looking I'm looking up there and I'm looking in the the categories that my pieces are in and I'm saying. I see three that are, I think are both more ambitious and more refined than mine. I can't like kind of hope my way out of this one. Like, there's not a lot of you know, and yeah, that I mean, there's to me there's no question. So, I don't know. I think like um, I think when you, <laughs> I think when you like plan a golden demon project, it's actually more about the passion that you invest into the piece because this is what we all feel like when you look mm -hmm. at it. You feel like either you feel the back pain, not seeing friends, the like staying 200 hours in your basement and painting the thing, or you feel like the passion for a project. You feel like what drove you to actually create like the whole thing. So I think like 
I won actually, I think, I don't know, three or four demons with project that I painted within 24 hours. And it was the best what a stud. I ever had. What a stud. No, no, but really, it's like that. We had like, <laughs> we had like an internal competition of like creating a piece, building it in 24 hours and painting it in 24 hours. So it's 48 hours of total madness, but you create something that has, is, is a statement, you know, and you don't feel bad if you n you're not winning. And not winning does not mean losing because like look at the competition upstairs we have like uh, we have like 500 to a thousand pieces that we see there and let's say 30 are going to make it uh, win a trophy with it it's like three trophies per category that means like we have like 36 trophies but that does not mean that 960 people who showed up here are losers and I think that's the biggest problem. You go there and you think like, oh, I didn't win the trophy, I lost. But it's not true, it's absolutely not true. You should always prove only that you compete against yourself. If you show up one year and you present something and it's not as good, next year you will come back and you will be better. You will look at your stuff and you will think like, whoa, well, that's better actually than last year. And that's how it should be, you know? You should like enjoy the piece yourself. Because you're not painting for anyone else than yourself. So I think like it's really all about the passion that you invest into the piece. And you really have to love it yourself because in the end, the judges will look at it and they all have different opinions. You know, it's about technical judgment. And in the end, we're at a competition where there are like only the three pieces that get a medal. And in the end, the sad thing about that system is that you actually lo are looking for mistakes. You know, you have like, let's, let's say you only have five brilliant pieces in one category. And you have to decide, oh, okay, who am I giving the gold? And in the end, it's like, do, did I glue the figure right on the base? Is there a bit of glue visible? Are there spider webs or dust on the figure? It's those stupid things that will cost your metal, but it's actually not about like if you're a good painter or not. So, you know, you should really be just happy with your own piece. It's, it's actually a very simple thing. Awesome, we got time for two more questions. So what we got, who got it? Something, you. Right. You've got to keep challenging yourself. And I think the Golden Demon and really any competition is like a great like place for that. Because you, you're trying to push yourself to the next level, trying to do things in a better, better way every single time. So yeah, constantly challenging yourself. So you might have all this knowledge you acquired from videos, from blog posts, all those things, but really applying them and applying them better and better and better, many after many, is, is how you do it. I would say like for me, I try to find a rhythm of doing a couple projects where I'm trying to just be experimental and I'm not trying to, this is not gonna be the best miniature I've ever painted. I'm just trying something new and this is very, very low risk for me. And then that building up to an, uh, another, like a specific project where I say, this is gonna be, I'm gonna try to make this the best thing I've ever painted. And like, I'm not, and, and very critically, like, I'm not going to give up because, like, there's always a point, I think, at which you want to get, like, the most inspiring story, and especially related to the Golden Demon I ever heard, is this Canadian guy. I don't remember his name. Maybe somebody knows. Or maybe Ben knows. This Canadian guy Vincent who... Vincent Houdin. Scott knows. Hudden, yeah. Hudden, Hudden. Vincent Hudden. He was, like, had not won anything, and he was, like, not 
by his own account, a very good painter, but he just decided that he really, really, really wanted to win a golden demon. He didn't, I didn't even think he said he wanted to win a Slayer Sword, but he just, he invested like 250 hours, which I think in like the 90s, early 2000s, whenever this was, was a lot. Now it's not a lot, unfortunately, but he, he invested, <laughs> he invested an insane amount of time into this thing, and he just didn't, he kind of, because he invested, because he basically said, I'm just going to keep reworking these areas until they look good. And it just meant repainting the same thing over and over. And that sounds extremely tedious, but I was so inspired by that story that that's what I did early on when I started painting. And I was relatively successful for me because now I look back on that when I started painting and in competitions, those miniatures were really successful. And I think back and I actually had no idea what I was doing as far as technique. I had, compared to the technique I feel like I have now, I didn't, I didn't know anything, but I just, I kept attacking it and not, and just basically not retiring the piece until I felt like I cannot improve this at all. And that could be like, not everybody is like, kind of has their brain wired to do that. So that might not be the answer for like you or anybody specifically, but if you have the patience to just keep sitting down and working on the same thing every single day and like, and have like, it sounds so hard and dry, <laughs> but it, it is like that. You agree? I, yeah, you yeah, agree? Yeah, I, I agree to a certain point. Yeah, yeah. I think um, like there there is a lot of hard work involved. Like really, like um, I think sometimes if you want to push yourself over a certain like edge, it's very important to keep on working. Like keep on practicing, keep on practicing every day because it's like something is. It's more the muscle memory than like the more you think about what you have to do or what you're doing the more tedious it becomes and the more exhausting it becomes. So like really like being in a good flow of work can really also help you to like reach the next level. But I think one of the biggest problems actually that most of us have a lot of topics that they fear, like let's say you don't like non-metal or you don't like skin and you're avoiding certain topics because you're just not feeling comfortable with them. So it's actually very important to actively fight those topics to become completely free in the choice of topic and miniature. And once you're free, you can like, you're able to uh, tell your own stories. And miniature painting is about storytelling. It's about like convincing someone else about a believable situation, about a believable model, about a believable scene that you capture. It's like a portrait painter, you know, you, you capture one moment and you have, to, you have to have something to tell. If, you, if it's an empty thing, there is nobody that will listen to your story. So you got to work on like the idea of what you want to transport. Okay. The last question is going to come from this guy. But as a reminder, uh, me and John are going to be out there uh, hanging out. So if you have like questions, you want to chat with us, we'll, uh, we'll come, we'll, we'll be there. What's up? Also, before we're done and anyone gets up, Scott and I are going to come to the middle and we're going to get some pictures of all of us sitting together. Yes, pictures. Because otherwise, we're going to have to do it up there. We're going to have to coordinate all y'all. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> All right, Jake, come up and just say it in the mic, okay? So, I'm Jake the intern. Hi, how are you? Hello. Hi, Jake. <laughs> so, I have both a question. It's also kind of a hypothetical. This is for... Dude, swallow this thing, bro. Swallow it. Okay, bud. Get in there. <laughs> Get in it, dude. It's for our guests, our hosts, people here, and people at home listening. Okay. So, let's say... It's COVID time. You haven't played a game with your friend. You're in a super niche game. Nobody else plays. But you know a friend that plays it, say, you know, eight hours away. It's a bit of a hike. So you get on the road. You're on the road. You drive for about four hours. So it's about halfway there. 
and you get the downtown push down. Like, you gotta go. It's happening. So you pull off the highway, go to the next gas station. They don't have a bathroom. Uh-oh. <laughs> so then you get back in your car. You're desperate. Desperate at this point. So you go to the next place. They have a bathroom. Go in the bathroom. Take care of everything. You're good. You've done the, you've done the deed. Where's this going, Jake? <laughs> yeah, I was also like... We'll get there. It's a hypothetical, okay? Is this, like a, is this a memoir? Yeah, those, <laughs> those interns. <laughs> <laughs> Any similarity to those living or dead is completely coincidental. <laughs> so you're, you know, you're four hours from home. You're also four hours from your destination. So you've done the deed. There's no toilet paper. You're left with the options. Let's just say hypothetically, you decide to, you know, scrounge. You're you're a, a, a fixer. You fix problems. So you scrounge around. You find a rag under the sink. <laughs> by all appearances, is clean. You can't see anything on this rag, but you found it under the sink. What do you do? You don't need two socks. <laughs> you don't. Socks? Mm. Two socks. Two socks. So you got one sock. Okay, that's an answer. What other answer? Shout them out. Use the underwear. Use your t-shirt. Some cultures still use their hand and then wash their hands. Hand and then, okay. Okay, yeah. Army trick. Army trick? Army trick. Oh, okay, okay. I, I would just like to say that I... Hold on, we haven't answered this question hmm. yet. Hmm. I I don't have s sympathy for the hypothetical person in this situation because, and I, I won't get into all the mistakes this hypothetical person made, but, <laughs> but I don't care what happens to this hypothetical person and their situation because I think they, sometimes people build their, their own hell. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, yeah. So, by show of hands, who uses the mystery rag? Yeah, I'm all into that. How do you get a chemical burn? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got Scott, John, and then three, four other people in the audience. All right. Cool. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Wait, what's the right answer? <laughs> there is no right answer. All right, calm down. We're doing a podcast here. All right. That was the last question we had time for. It was quite a last question. Again, we're going to be out there. So if you want to chat, I'd love to have you come out and talk with us. Uh, we're going to do a picture after. We're going to do all recording, guys. Chill out, okay? <laughs> all right. But yeah, we say a thing at the end. You know that thing, John? Is it Tough Nation, baby? No. <laughs> we can say that, though. I, no, that's no. just my pitch. It's we'll catch you on the flippity flop, okay? We're going to say we'll catch you. and we, you, you say flippity flop, okay? Ready? All right. We will catch you on the... Flippity flop. Yeah! <laughs>